0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. How to make your love relationship last. That's what we're talking about. A church can only be as strong as the strongest family. A family can only be as strong as the marriage that anchors that family. The Apostle Paul knew that. Ephesians has, as you know, six chapters. And as Paul often does, the, he, he separates uh, Ephesians into two parts. The first half is, uh, has to do with beliefs or doctrine. And the last half has to do with behavior or duty. So for Paul, he lays out his beliefs and then uh, his custom was to show in the latter part of his letters how those beliefs show up in our behavior. Because you see, the, the Apostle Paul believed, and I hope you believe, because I certainly believe this, the Apostle Paul believed that if you have a relationship with Christ, that relationship ought to positively impact everything you do. And if Christ in us does not impact everything we do, then something is amiss. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the first half of his letter deals with a very important doctrine, and here it is, here's the doctrine, that the church, you and I, who are believers in Christ, we are the body of Christ in this world. We represent Christ because we are the body of Christ. And then in the latter section of Ephesians, Paul says, if then you and I are the body of Christ, then here's how the body of Christ ought to behave in the world. And he spends at least 13 verses in this latter half on marriage, on love relationship. And basically, he's saying, if you and I are the body of Christ, then that ought to be reflected in our marriage relationships. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 21. Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which... In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his lo- his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever yet hated his own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does for the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ in the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband, the Apostle Paul. Once upon a time, there was in the heart of a young woman a fireplace. And in that fireplace, a fire ignited by a young man. The flame in the young woman's heart consumed the young man's thoughts and so without even thinking about it he excitedly fed the flames by throwing logs into the fire. The young man selected just the right logs that best set ablaze the young woman's flames. And so the fire in the young woman's heart grew stronger and hotter with each log the young man placed on the flames. But if anyone had asked him, are you throwing logs on the fire? He would have been puzzled, for he was not even aware that he was feeding the flames in the young woman's fireplace. At the same time, there was in the heart of the young man another fireplace, and in that fireplace a similar fire, this one kindled by the young woman. All of the young woman's thoughts revolved around the flame she had started in the young man's heart, and so without even thinking about it, she excitedly fed the flames by throwing logs onto the fire. The young man delighted in the young woman's fueling because she chose only those logs that meant the most to the young man. But if anyone had said to her, you do such a fine job putting logs into that fireplace, she would have been confused for she was unaware that she was feeding the flames in the young man's fireplace. So, the fire in the young man's fireplace grew stronger and hotter with each log the young woman placed on the flames. In time... The young, woman, the young couple merged their flames into one fireplace and together they continued to fan the flames in each other's hearts and because each of them chose precisely the logs that best fuel the flames in the other's heart, the fires in the fireplace grew and roared strong and hot. As time went on, however, the enthusiasm with which these two people fueled the fire waned and so did the fire putting logs on each other's fire ceased being something that the couple did without having to think about it. Rather, it became something that had to be done intentionally if it was to be done at all. Therefore, the fires slowly faded. At times, days would pass in which the two of them even forgot about the fireplace. Sometimes, The young man, when he did think about the fireplace, would place only the logs that he preferred onto the flames without any consideration for the kind of logs that the young woman liked. Likewise, the young woman periodically placed into the fireplace only the logs she most desired without any thought for the type of logs her companion liked. And in both cases, the logs wouldn't burn. At times, the young couple argued and fought. During these times, they totally stopped throwing logs onto the flames. Instead, they often flushed the flames with water, making it even harder for the flames to survive. One day, the two spouses accidentally met in front of the fireplace, almost bumping into each other. They stood in silence, looking into the fireplace at the pile of ashes that hid dying embers. And then they looked at each other, and they wondered, what is to be done to our fireplace? So far in this series, there are four very important truths that we have looked at, and I want to remind you of those. First of all, the fireplace represents the relationship that develops between two people in love. When two people fall in love, they... Uh, ignite, it's almost like they ignite fires in each other's heart. So they, the fires represent the relationship between uh, lovers in love. Second, in order for the flames to grow strong, logs must be placed, they must be thrown in the fire. Now, placing logs on the fire means that you uh, make it uh, a, a priority to, to meet the needs of your spouse. That's what I mean by throwing logs on the fire. In order for the flames to grow strong, logs must be placed on the fire. Number three, early in the relationship, a couple fuels the flames without even realizing they're doing so. Uh, When you are dating someone, uh, and then after, when you marry, during the honeymoon period, however long that may last, during the dating and the honeymoon period, we tend to put logs on the, fl- on the fire of, of our spouse's heart without even thinking about it. it just, we just do it naturally. If someone asked us that, that we were, whether we were putting logs on the fire, we wouldn't even know what they were talking about because we just do it naturally during that time, during the early part of the relationship. But number four, after the honeymoon period, Couples must make a conscious effort to put logs on the fire. There comes a time in a relationship, a love relationship, when you stop putting logs on the fire in the other person's heart naturally and without even being conscious of it, and yet the fire is still burning and it needs to be fed, it needs to be fueled, and so if logs are going to go on the fire, we have to make a conscious effort to place those logs on the flame. Now there's a statement I've made in every one of these sermons and I will make it in every one of the sermons that is yet to be preached and I want you to remember this because this is the anchor truth of this entire series. It's this, remember that no relationship has ever ended when the love fires are consistently tended. Now you need to write that down somewhere, put it on every refrigerator in your house Put it where you can see it because if you want your love relationship to last, then you have to tend the fire. The title of this sermon this morning is Tend the Fire, the Priority of the Fireplace. Now, the Apostle Paul gave us in Ephesians chapter 5 the key, what he believed was the key to successful Christian love relationships. And that key was something that he called mutual Submission. Mutual submission. Verse 21, he said, submit to one another out of reverence for, for Christ. And then he says to wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. And in verse 25, he said, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's mutual submission. Now, in, uh, in the modern uh, vernacular, what that basically means is a little give and take. There's not a married couple here today who doesn't know that one of the secrets to a long-lasting relationship is a little bit of give and take. A little give and take means that there are times when uh, your spouse has needs and and sometimes you have to sacrifice what you want in order to meet that person's needs. On the other hand, there are times when that person will need to sacrifice some of their own desires and preferences in order for you, their spouse, to to get what you need, mutual submission, a little give and take. Husbands must mutually, must submit to wives. Wives must submit to their husbands. It takes give and take. It takes a little bit of sacrifice. Now, that's easy for me to say. It is not as easy to actually carry out, to apply to our own love relationships. And so what this means is that if you and I are going to Uh, practice mutual submission in our love relationships, then that has to be a priority for us. So I want to talk with you this morning about the fact that your relationship must be a priority. Now, we have to add logs on the fire. Most couples, in fact I would say all couples, uh, once once they get to this place in their relationship where they're no longer just putting logs on the fire unconsciously, they will do one of four things. They fall in one of four categories. First, they will forget about the flames. In fact, this is the most common mistake married couples make is that at a certain point in time, they stop intentional, they stop uh, unconsciously throwing the logs on the fire and yet at a time when they need to intentionally throw logs on the fire, they forget about the love flames. They think that those flames will burn forever on automatic pilot and the the sad reality is they will not. But the most common mistake that couples make is they forget the flames. Now the most dangerous mistake that a couple can make is to flush the flames. Can you imagine yourself uh, in the winter, you and and your uh, spouse, You're sitting in the living room, there's a fire in the fireplace, it's cold outside, it's January, and uh, you're sitting there together, just the two of you, and all of a sudden your spouse gets up, grabs a bucket of water, and just douses, I mean flushes that fireplace with water. Now that wouldn't happen, would it? Not unless you had that person committed, would it? Would it? No. And yet, that is what some Couples do. Now, how can you flush the flames? You can flush the flames by doing something so tragically devastating that it all but destroys your love relationship. Now, it doesn't have to destroy it, but it, it can all but destroy it. An affair is flushing the relationship, a secret addiction flushes the relationship. Chronic lying about some important issue or any issue flushes the relationship. Keeping secrets from your mate flushes the relationship. There are any number of major actions that you can take that will, that will all but destroy your relationship. Now, they don't have to destroy it, but they all but destroy it. And in many cases, they do destroy it. So most couples forget the flames. That's the most common mistake. The most dangerous mistake is they can flush the flames or they can fan the flames. Uh, back during the, the winter, Uh, I was one one night when it was uh, one evening when it was it was really cold outside. I was in my office. I have an office at home where I do most of my sermon preparation and and I'll go in there and read the news. And and I remember one evening while I was in there, I heard Amanda on the other side of the house. She was she was calling out to me and she says, Jimmy, why don't you build a fire in the fireplace? And I said, "Okay, great. So I got up out of my office. I gathered up the wood. I gathered up some kindling which some guys in our church have been so generous to provide for us over the years. And I I placed the kindling in the fireplace. I opened up the damper. I put the logs on the fireplace. I gathered up a bunch of old newspapers, crumbled them up, and put them under the grate. And then I took a lighter, and I lit the the, uh, newspapers, and they lit the kindling, and they lit the logs. And all of a sudden, we had a really good fire going. And once that fire got going, I got up, and I went back into my office. And I sat down and continued working. After about 30, 45 minutes went by, I heard Amanda calling again. She says, Jimmy, have you forgotten about the fire? Are you going to let the fire go out? And I said, oh, I forgot about it. I had forgotten about the flames. So I got up and went back in the living room. And sure enough, the fire had gone out. Now, there were some embers there that were glowing, just barely glowing, but the fire had gone out. And so I leaned in toward our fireplace, and I blew on the fireplace. Now, you have to blow really easily, guys, because if you blow too hard, you will blow ashes all over the carpet in your living room. How do I know this? Just take my word for it, I know this. You blow easily, and what I found is that when you blow air easily, gently, on hot embers, they start to glow a little bit brighter. Have you noticed that? Because they like oxygen, and so you blow oxygen toward the embers, and they start heating up, and lo and behold, as I was gently blowing on those embers, a fire reignited. And I thought, that's great. The fire has reignited, and I stood back up, and about 30 seconds later, that fire went out. You see, I had fanned the flame, and that's a good thing. However, fanning the flame was not enough. I needed to provide more fuel for that flame if the flames were going to rekindle and grow bright again. Now, some couples, when they start having problems, they will resort to short-term, what they, what, what they think are fix-things-quick solutions that are really no solutions at all. They may fan the flames a little bit, but unless that couple intentionally puts logs in the fire, then fanning the flame will not do any good. In fact, if you, do, if you do succeed at all in fanning the flame, it'll do nothing more than burn the logs out. What you need to do is feed the flames. All right? Now, for you to feed the flames, it requires priority. So I want to say to you a few things that I want to leave with you. First of all, the marriage relationship must be the priority relationship in your life second only to your relationship with God. If you don't hear anything else, please hear that particular statement. Because if you want your marriage to last, you must make it a priority. And it must be the priority in your life, as I said, second only to your relationship with Christ. Christ comes first and then your relationship with your spouse. Now somebody's going to say, well, what about my kids? Your kids should never, listen to me, should never be the priority for you that your spouse is. Now I didn't say that your kids shouldn't be a priority. They definitely should. Our children ought to have a priority place in our lives. But if, if you put your priority into your kids' Instead of into your spouse, what will happen at some point, and this is happening to some folks all over the place around this time of year, your child, your children will graduate either from high school or college and they will move out of the house and all of a sudden, almost overnight, you will wake up and you will look at your spouse and there will be nothing else in the house. There will be, it will be deathly quiet and all you will have is the hull of a marriage and you'll look at each other as if you're total strangers. Do not make the mistake of putting your children before your husband or your wife. Do not do that. Number two, feeding the love fires must be a priority for you because you and your spouse have a need to be loved. The fact is, you came into this world with a package of needs. There's the need to live. There's the need to learn. There's the need at some point to leave a legacy by which you'll be remembered by those who come along after you. But the foremost need we have, aside from the need to live, is the need to love and be loved, to give and receive love. And when you come together in a love relationship, there is a special giving and receiving of love that that is restricted only between you and your spouse You to your spouse and your spouse back to you. All right? So feeding those love fires is a priority because you have this need to be loved in a way that only your spouse should be doing it and your spouse has a need to be loved in only a way that you should be doing it. Nobody else. Number three, when couples stop putting logs on the fire of their relationship, the flame dwindles. That's a no-brainer, isn't it? Did I even need to put that one up there for you? Number four, a dwindling flame opens the door for another fireplace to appear. In fact, if, I, if, if you stop feeding logs into the love fire that's in your spouse's heart, what happens is those flames go down and yet the need for logs is still in your spouse. And so what will happen over time is if you're not feeding logs into that flame, it will open up the opportunity, crack open the door for those flames to be fed or fireplaces to be filled in some other way by some other means. For some people, that will be another person, an affair. You'll turn, turn your attention to either an emotional or a physical affair in order to get those needs met. It's wrong, but it's something that people do because they have this need to get, they have this this vacancy, this void that needs to be filled. Sometimes it's not an affair with another person, it's an affair with work. There are people, and it happens all the time, there are people who are in love with their work more than they are in love with their mate. And it's devastating. Listen, your work is a means to make your life with your spouse better. Your spouse is not a sidebar piece that can, you can give attention only when you're not wanting to devote yourself to work. Work cannot be your main priority. For some people, it's hobbies. They have a hobby that they're spending more time with than they are with their spouse a dwindling flame opens the door for another fireplace to appear or for someone else to start throwing logs into that flame. And finally, number five. When this happens, the couple must reestablish the priority of their marriage and rekindle the flame of their relationship. When the fires have dwindled, and even when the opportunity has arisen for those flames to be fed by something else or someone else, what that couple must do right then, right there, not wasting any time with it, is to close off those other fireplace avenues and redirect their attention, recommit their priority to each other and to putting logs on the flame of their own spouse. I want you to get this. It's not going to be on the slide, but it really is good. You ready? You ready for this? The fireplace that gets the logs burns the brightest. The fireplace that gets the logs burns the brightest. So make it your priority to put logs on the fires of your spouse. Nobody else, nothing else. Put Jesus first and then put your spouse next. Here's the message in a sentence. No relationship has ever ended when the love fires are consistently tended. But in order for the fires to be consistently tended, the couple must place a priority on their love relationship. So I want to ask you, leave with you some questions. First of all, is your relationship with your spouse a priority in your life? It should be. It must be. And for those of us who would put our children above our spouse, let me just say this, and I'll say this again later in a few weeks when I talk about kids, the best thing you can do for your children is love your spouse. That's the best thing you can do for your children. If you really love your children, then love your spouse. In order for the fires to consistently be tended, you must place a priority. Your uh, relationship with your spouse must be a priority. Second question, what can you do to place a higher priority on your marriage relationship? What can you do? And then number three, as a result of hearing this message, I resolve to make my marriage a priority by, and you fill in the blank. What are you going to do? Because quite frankly, for many of us, doing nothing is tantamount to just neglecting the flames. I was reading the New York Times this morning, and uh, I had finished preparation for this sermon way back early in the week, but I I ran across an editorial about marriage. And in that editorial, there was a statement that I could not let go of, and so I want to read it to you. Are you ready for this? Hello? Hello? Here it is. We must abandon the founding romantic idea upon which the Western understanding of marriage has been based for the last 250 years. Now, this is serious stuff. What is that? That a perfect being exists who can meet all of our needs and satisfy our every yearning. We're talking about uh, in marriage. We need to swap the romantic view, that romantic view, for a tragic awareness that every human being will frustrate, anger, annoy, madden, and disappoint us, and we will, without any malice, do the same thing to them. There can be no end to our sense of emptiness and incompleteness. In fact, our sense of emptiness and incompleteness is what continues to draw us together toward our spouse. But none of this is unusual, nor is it grounds for divorce. Choosing whom to commit ourselves to is merely a case of identifying which particular variety of suffering we would most like to sacrifice ourselves for. Well, what were they saying? Simply this, if you're looking for a perfect mate, you might as well never get married because there is not one. If you're looking for a perfect church, there's no such thing as that. So you might as well stop looking for that either. But we're talking about marriage here. If you're looking for a perfect mate, there is no such one. We must realize that all of us are frail, all of us fail, all of us make mistakes, and all of us have have some parts that when you get to know us well enough, they're not very beautiful. But we come to appreciate those the longer that we stay together and the longer that we continue to put logs on the fire. Again, I say to you, is your love relationship a priority in your life? We're about to have the invitation. The invitation is a time when people make decisions, they make commitments some people in this building will need to receive Christ as your Savior. You've never invited Christ in your life, and you need to come and simply say, I, I need Jesus in my life, and we can help you with that. There are people here who are saved, you've received Christ as your Savior, but you've never joined a local church. You're not active in a local church, and we would love for you to be part of our church family. I mean, if you're going to worship here and study the Bible here, you might as well be a part of our church officially. Officially. For some of you, there will be a need to come, and by coming, you're saying to God, God, I am making my marriage the priority in my life, second only to you, and you make that commitment. And then I'm sure there'll be plenty of people, there ought to be plenty of people every Sunday, who don't have a problem, don't have an issue, they don't have a sickness, they don't have a crisis, but they just want to come to the altar and just worship the Lord because we're made to do that. Folks, our church can only be as strong as the strongest family and the family can only be as strong as the marriage that anchors that family. Let's pray. Oh Lord, this is the invitation. My experience has been that you do more in the lives of people in the invitation than at any other part of the service. People get saved in the invitation People become members of the church in the invitation. Marriages that are broken get healed, or at least they start the process of healing in the invitation. People worship in great ways in the invitation. Renewal to you is made by people during the invitation. And I pray that this invitation will be one where people's lives will be changed. And most of all, I pray, Lord, that the the love relationships that are among this congregation will be stronger as a result of having been here today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.